Now, if you're brand new here with us today or, or you've been coming for a few weeks, I just got to tell you, we're really, really glad you're here today. Today, in many, many respects, is all about you, believe it or not. Because the reality is this, is that a whole bunch of people made a sacrificial and generous financial commitment to God so that you would actually have a church to attend and so that you could be a part of and learn more about Jesus and so that you could eventually experience life in Jesus. So I just got to tell you, welcome. We're thrilled that you're here today. Now, we, we talked about this today being a housewarming party. Now, I, I, you, go, you know, you've probably had a housewarming party or been to one. And a housewarming party is something in which you invite your friends and family to, generally because you've moved into a new place, right? And, and you want to celebrate that, and you want to celebrate with those who matter most to you. And just practically speaking, right, you want to get a whole bunch of people there because you know at housewarming parties, people bring gifts. And you need a whole bunch of gifts for your new home, right? Isn't that kind of why you, you also throw that party? Well, our housewarming party today is a tad different. We're celebrating the fact that we did not have to move. Now, we actually get a stay here, and that's something that is worth celebrating with our friends and with our family, and we'll talk about that and explain it more in a minute. And you didn't need to bring a gift today because you already brought your gift. Over the last two years through the Beyond Initiative that we participated in, you brought over $3.6 million worth of gifts to God and to LifePoint. So when we praise God, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm kind of doing a competition in my mind of who's going to be the most, who's going to participate most and be most responsive during this sermon. I'm just going to tell you, there's going to be a whole bunch of opportunity to clap and stuff this morning. So I didn't get the first services heads up. I'm going to give you that heads up. And it's an ongoing competition and the winner gets something. Well, <laughs> what I meant to say is if I win which service I picked, I get something. That's how I meant to say that. Okay. All right. So I got to tell you something. I love backstories. I love to know whatever's happening now. I love to know how we got there. I love to know the context of what has happened to someone or with something, someone in their past, because it better helps me understand what is going on or what is taking place with them in the present. And so what I want to do right now is let you know the LifePoint backstory is huge. And so I'm going to invite you to kind of go on a, on a little bit of a journey with me this morning. And, and I'm going to ask some of you longtime LifePoint people to just hang with me and trust me through this message. Some of you newer people, you know, this is just going to kind of hit you right away. But some of us longer people, hang with me and go through this journey together with me. We're going to look at this backstory. There's so many layers and so many dynamics, so many stories of lives changed and kingdom growth. But specifically what I want to share with you is a small snippet of the housewarming party we didn't have to move portion of the backstory. The people part of the equation would literally take months and months to tell. So let me tell you just a brief part of that backstory to kind of lead us through today. Heather and I, along with our two boys, planted LifePoint almost 15 years ago. And I want to show you in a moment the picture in the, that we took in the summer of 2002 that we ended up sending out to our friends and family to raise funds to plant the church. Here's the photo. And uh, you could see my kids were a lot younger back then, right? Now, what's, very, what's incredible is we raised over $200,000 from our friends and family 
who, who believed in the vision of planning this church. In many respects, part of why we're here today is because those initial people who gave sacrificially so we could start this church. We'd send out monthly newsletters to our supporters and our family and our friends. We called it Imagine News, and Heather would create those every month. And, and we, in the beginning, LifePoint met at Elliott Ranch Elementary School, and we did that for, five, for nine years. It was an incredible season for us as a church. And we would set up and we would tear down church every single Sunday. In fact, raise your hands if you are ever a part of the setup or tear down team at any point. Raise your hands. All right, leave them up. Praise God for those who did that, right? I mean, man, they poured into all that. We'd set up the auditorium, we'd set up, you know, road signs, we'd set up these very chairs you're sitting in, and, and when it was pouring rain, the, the team would have to bring them in, and when it was 110 degrees, they'd have to stack them and take them back out, you know, into the trailer. Speaking of the trailer, we had a crew of people who drove, you know, the trailers back every week to storage, and I gotta tell you, there are some of them, man, who they perfected the art and science of clipping corner and ruining rims. I remember Gary Gutierrez and others every week pushing those giant crates back to Kids Kingdom Ministry, which seemed like it was a mile back from the, you know, where we were out front. I remember the teams would set up the classrooms every single week. They'd, they'd have to set up gates for the kids to be in. They'd move the desks. They'd move the chairs. They'd cover the desks. They'd cover the chairs. They would do all of that. And, and, and i got to tell you this. My daughter didn't like being behind those gates or in prison and so to speak, and, and so she. <laughs> but she's so cute, even in that picture. <laughs> we eventually, through your generosity, those who were here, we eventually got what we called, named by Rick McGill, we got a hub. And this hub was something that we had our staff offices in, and we had a larger room for anything and everything that we could do there, including Vacation Bible School, or VBS, for our kids. Every square inch of that, you know, couple thousand square feet of space was used. The kids were jammed in it. They were packed into that little space. If you ever participated in VBS at the hub, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Come on, put it proud because this, this is the faithful group of people right there. You deserve the biggest, you know, claps. Man, what a season back then. We had worship nights and prayer nights. We held our first Financial Peace University there at the Hub. We had memorial services there. We allowed my friend Pastor Hector at Thrive Church and his church to use our facility every Sunday morning because they were just like, you know, like 15 feet away, and it helped them out. I remember doing our very first Christmas Santa photos there at the Hub. Here's what I remember. I, that's when we discovered that my daughter didn't like people dressing up. And uh, I guess it's Embarrassed Cali Day. Um, Cameron normally gets it. And, <laughs> and she walked in there, and she saw Santa, and immediately turned around, started screaming, and bolted out the front door and ran straight into the middle of the street. I got to tell you, I can still picture that. It was so quick and so fast. If a car had been driving by, honestly, I don't know what our lives would be like today. 
And I can still remember that, you know. So I remember the great stuff, and I remember the awful stuff. We were super creative in trying to do ministry as a church in those portable days. And by God's grace, God kept growing the church. On October 8, 2007, we held our first building team meeting. This team met every once a month for a few years, and the goal was try to find a more permanent place for us as a church. After a couple of years, lead team member Dan Rocco officially disbanded the group. Why? Man, we explored every and all option in Elk Grove, and we finally concluded there's nothing here for us. There is no facility to go in. There is no place that we can, that's even remotely in our budget, not even close. Well, a couple months later, a possible place opened up over on Bighorn, and we began to pursue that. Every step we took, it just wasn't looking good, but we kept trying. We were like, well, a church met there before, and so we kept going after it. And then Frank Radich came to me on Sunday, December 12th, two, on 2010, Frank said he knew the Harley owner of the Harley-Davidson building and that they were friends. He asked if we were interested in the building. I said, uh, well, yeah, but I kind of chuckled. I said, Frank, no offense, but, um, you know, we know all about the Harley building. It's 26,000 square feet, and that's way beyond anything we could ever possibly do. He's like, well, how about I reach out to him and, and, and talk to him? He's a friend of mine. I said, all right, sure, what the heck, go for it. I totally dismissed it. I was like, that, that's so far out there, that's, you know, but whatever, fine, go, he's a friend of yours. Well, three days later, here's the email I sent out to the elders and to Dan Rocco and Lino Souza, who were two building team members, December 15, 2010, 4.53 p.m., subject, please respond ASAP, are you available Friday or Monday? Gentlemen, I'll fill you in on more details later, but we might have an amazing opportunity for another facility. The Bighorn deal isn't dead, but continues to pre present so many challenges. Anyway, can you join me either Friday or Monday to view the old Harley-Davidson facility? Chris, P.S. Pray, pray, pray. <laughs> this could potentially be a huge God miracle. Dan and I toured the place today. It's an incredible facility, and the owner might give us a screaming deal to make it happen. So pray, pray, pray. Well, Lino, Souza. Uh, one of our businessmen in the church, Lino, you guys might know Lino, he oftentimes, the Portuguese dude over there sometimes plays and moves a lot, everybody likes Lino, right, we love Lino, good friend of mine, and Lino's a businessman, and, and so as a businessman going into this conversation, Lino wasn't thrilled about talking to them, and he wasn't thrilled about talking to them because he knew that we were going to go into this conversation or negotiation, if you will, he's a businessman, as a place from pure weakness and no strength. We had no money. And Lino still to this day talks about, he was like, Chris, we couldn't write the check. We couldn't write the check. We had nothing to offer them. So I mentioned to Lino, 2 Corinthians 12.10, I said, Lino, this is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, for when I, am when I am weak, then I am strong. I mentioned Psalm 28, verse 7, that says, the Lord is my strength. And so I said, have faith, Lino, son. And that's an inside thing with me and him and his Japanese business partners and all that. So I go, have faith, Lino, son. If God is in this, 
Anything is possible. When we are weak, he is strong. You talk, amen. You talk to, you talk to Lino about the story. He gets very colorful in it, not language-wise, but colorful like <laughs> animated and about how incredible the story was. The elders, Lino and Dan, toured the facility that day. Then a couple days later, we invited a handful of people from LifePoint to tour the facility and to pray. And here's a couple pictures of that very day that we came down and all, all of us who had little kids, they were running around and having a blast and we stood around and we prayed. And then we approached the church and we asked those who were here at the time to pray and to consider the possibilities of having a more temporary, permanent home. Turned out it would end up being, if it could happen, an eight-year lease. 91 families sacrificially committed an additional $500,000 above their regular giving. We went into the process of starting to build. And I, I have this picture I want to show you on the stage as we started to build. We had this little stage. I don't, I don't know if it's ours or where it came from. <laughs> put up a cross on it. But what we were saying when that started happening, we put that there. We said Jesus will always be the center no matter whatever, ever, ever happens. He will always be the center. He will be our center. He will be our plumb line no matter how we ever proceed. Because sometimes when you go into building programs and building campaigns, there's always a group of people who get worried about the way the message is being communicated. Then it gets off on buildings and off on this and it won't stay centered on Jesus. And so we made sure no matter what we do, Jesus will always be our focus and be our center. Then on December, in December of 2011, we held our very first service in our new temporary permanent home. We knew we had eight years. <laughs> and we were hoping and we were praying. You can see, I mean, I mean we, that, was, that was, a, was a good time then. Good time. We were hoping and praying God would do something in these eight years to grow our church enough that we would possibly be able to have future options, perhaps stay here, hopefully stay here, perhaps even own it one day, though it seemed like a far-fetched idea. The idea of moving back to being portable was not ideal. As much as we had a great time and God did wonderful things, it wasn't something any of us wanted to go back to. Again, there were so many miracles the next three or four years, including the miracles of what God did to grow his church called LifePoint. Uh, we're not going to get too, we're talking about the building side, but just a couple of the people side part of the equation that just still stands out to this day to me. One of the greatest moments for us, I believe, as a church up to that period of time, there are so many, but one of the greatest was when I stood up here on a Sunday morning and I said, hey, church, I'm going to ask you to consider something next week when you come to give your offering to the Lord. Whatever you give, we're going to give it away to New Hope Church over in the pocket Meadowview area as they do ministry to the urban poor. That next week, you showed up and gave the largest offering to date of our church by far, giving over $30,000 on that Sunday. And we praise God for that. And I don't know, our budget was like fifteen grand at the time. I was like, well, maybe we just do the budget and we'll keep the rent. No, never crossed my mind. Money came in. We figured God will take care of us because we've always said it's not about us, not to us, to him. I remember taking that check to Pastor Daniel. They had no idea it was coming. It was all a surprise. He had no idea. But I knew he was going to be there on this particular Thursday when they do the gift of groceries. And so I showed up, took him into the back room, and I said, LifePoint loves you guys, what you're doing here, and we pray you can continue to do incredible ministry. And so we have this gift for you. And I gave it to him, and 
he opened it and I could never describe his face to you. I just can't. I can't. His, his face just like dropped. It just, it was so beyond what he could ever possibly imagine. And God used that to really help them launch into this incredible season that they're now a part of today. And we helped be a part of planting those seeds. You did. Another incredible moment was I stood up here on stage and I preached a message about baptism. And I challenged every single one of us who had never faithfully taken the step that Jesus has asked every one of us. If you're a Jesus follower, if you said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible makes it clear. The very next thing you do is you be immersed in water. It's called baptism. And I challenged us, if you've never taken that step, that you do it today. And everybody's like, ah, you know, preachers say things today all the time, right? And, 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 I, and I was like, no, I mean it literally, today. You remember that? I said, today. And you're like, I don't have any clothes. I said, don't worry about it. We'll give you a shirt. <laughs> we didn't think about the bottom half, you know. And <laughs> That Sunday, wearing your clothes, putting on this extra shirt we gave, purple or blue shirt, 37 of you were immersed into Christ right over there that Sunday. Clothes and all. We didn't factor in the new shirts and the blue purple dye. The, it was like dark purple by the time. The last batch of people really considered, you know, reconsider their, you know, their commitment to follow Jesus that Sunday. An incredible, incredible morning. Hundreds and hundreds of us have now gone down to Mexico on one of our missions trips. We've built many, many, many homes for many families. God has been growing his church. More and more lives are experiencing life in Jesus here and now even in Elk Grove. Our mission trips are, are truly one of the highlights of our church. To this day, we max out every single year. I think we're already maxed out for this year, the amount of people we can take. Then perhaps the biggest miracle of all on the building side of this life point equation, the life point story, backstory, the owners came to us and they actually wanted to sell the building to us. And we had always hoped and dreamed maybe, but the problem was the building was way, cost them way more than we could ever afford. The owners said they will do whatever it takes to help make it happen, including selling the building to us for $2 million less than they paid for it. Now, if that doesn't resonate with you, if that doesn't, you know, if you're just like, ah, oh, it's just the cost of business, that's what it's like for, no, no, no. $2 million loss. Ah, oh, well, they'll get tax benefits, blah, blah, blah. $2 million <laughs> loss. Incredible. That led the leadership again to our knees in prayer. And after praying, the leadership approached you, the church, who were here at the time a little over two years ago. We called the initiative Beyond. It was meant to be a generosity initiative where God would use our finances in our own life as a way to grow and stretch our faith in Him. And then through that generosity, we would be able to accomplish some incredible goals, at least physically. God would do the spiritual work in our lives, but help us grow physically as a church regarding buildings. The result, we didn't have to move. The result, we didn't have to move. And so I praise Jesus for that because of your generosity and God's faithfulness. The result, the building is bought comes up in the process and the journey. Property is now bought for the future. 
We bought land. Praise God. Amen. Oh, man, you're winning over last service, guaranteed. We bought land in Mexico and built a church and built a home for, a pa- for the pastor of the church. We planted Unite Church in Pasadena, and both the church in Mexico and the church in Pasadena, they're growing and they're healthy, and we're praying for their growth and praying for their success for the kingdom in the future. In fact, this year we're participating with the church and the, fa- and the pastor. We're building a couple homes for uh, people in the church. We're going to be fully a part of what we did last year down there. We're not just going off to a random place. It's going to be an incredible trip to Mexico. We increased our support to New Hope Church in the Pocket Meadowview area and helping, including helping them with some key, you know, expenditures for their grocery ministry that we're now actively engaged in every single day. There's some people at LifePoint who are picking up groceries and delivering them and being a part of it. I hope some of you will consider being a part of that. That's some of what's happened. So now, now it's time to do our home improvements. Now it's time to turn in here a little bit for just a season. So before we talk about some of that, I think we need to pause. And in our own way between you and God, I think you and I, we need to celebrate all that God has done. To God be the glory. Psalm 126 verse 3 says, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. So let's praise God right now in our own way from our spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, before we talk specifically about some of these home improvements, because praise God, we didn't have to move, let me set the stage for this upcoming season at LifePoint. And let me talk about that. There's an important principle that I believe you and I see in Scripture. And here's the principle. What got us here will not get us there. What got us here will not get us there. In fact, one of the top 15 most influential business thinkers in the world, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, he actually wrote a book with this title. You, believe it or not, you actually know this axiom to be true, don't you? You know it to be true. Let me ask you this. In 1995, a company called Amazon launched, and it sold only what in 1995? What did they sell? Books. Some of you are like, they did? (laughs) They sold books. Founder Jeff Bezos today is now the richest person in America or the world. Today, Amazon sells just a few things more than books, right? (laughs) In fact, raise your hand in a moment. If you bought something off of Amazon in the last 90 days that was not a book, raise your hand. Okay, keep your hand up. We're going to do something together. Keep your hand up if you bought something in the last 30 days at Amazon that was not a book. Last 15 days. Last five days. Look at that. Who's already bought something this morning? Be honest. Some of you are like, yeah, I already did. It'll be there when I get home, right? One day. What got us here will not, what got us here, books, will not get us there. Amazon changed and adapted. Here's the key word for us this morning where we're headed. It became, and that's the key word, it became what it needed to be in order to make a difference, to thrive, to change, to grow, to get profit or market share. It became what it needed to be. 
You know this to be true in so many different ways. One more quickie. Nin- or 1865, Frederick Idestam started the paper company Nokia. The paper company. By 1912, what got us here will not get us there. They got into rubber boots. Later on, what got us here will not get us there. In the early 1990s, they sold off their rubber and paper divisions. They focused solely on cell phones. From 1998 to 2012, Nokia sold more cell phones than any other cell company in the world. In fact, who owned a Nokia flip phone? Raise your hand right now, right? A bunch of you are like, hey, some of you still have maybe one of them. You know, you've kept it. What got us here will not get us there. You're like, they're not really involved in that anymore, are they? They keep reinventing themselves. They keep figuring out how to move ahead and how to move forward in the next generation. Now they're getting into the whole being the best, dealing with services behind the scenes, IT, 911 services, and all of that. What got us here will not get us there. Now I want you to hear this, church, very clearly. What got us here will not get us there as a church either. What got us here will not get us there either as a church. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the obvious. I'm not talking about the non-negotiable, unchanging, central focus of Jesus, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is our center, that we always focus on him, that everything is about him. Nothing ever changes that. The Bible is our guide. The Bible is our authority. It is never changing. It is always the same. Jesus got us here. Jesus will get us there, of course. I'm talking about a principle as it pertains to our strategies. Or if you've been on a Life on Purpose seminar or in our new Now Next Steps class, the word we use in there, I'm talking about our methods that we use to reach people for Christ and then care for and train us up as followers of Jesus. And as we think about the future of LifePoint, I believe that we see this principle in Scripture that we're talking about today. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 if you have not already done so. Now let me give you just a quick, quick context. The Apostle Paul, he had this incredible, passionate commitment to the cause of Christ to seek and save lost people. And he understood better than anybody else that when you experience life in Jesus, I want you to hear this, when you experience life in Jesus, then you are truly free. Because so many of us spend our life being shackled by the bonds of slavery and and rule and religion and sin. And he knew to truly experiencing life in Jesus meant freedom. The problem is that way of living just ticked off a whole bunch of people, especially the religious types who wanted like lists. Hey, I'm a believer. You can do this, this, this. You can't do this, this, this. Hey, religion is this, and you got to look this way and act this way in church. It ticked all of them off. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes the greatest defense ever penned of someone so free in Jesus and so focused on the mission of Jesus that he could and would reach people for Jesus and with the message of Jesus in ways that many of us only dream of. So let's just read that one portion together. First, we're going to say some words together. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19, it says this. Paul says, though I am free... And belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to who? To everyone. And here's the word to what? To 
to win as many people as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. And, and then he says, you know, almost parenthetically, to those under the law, which are Jews, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to what? So as to? So as to win, you guys can do better than that, so as to win those under the law. Verse 21, to those having the law, I became like one, or to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to, what's the word? So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To, what's the word? Win the weak. And here's our word for today. Let's say it together out loud and with conviction. I have. I have. One more time. I have. Become. All things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Paul was so free in Jesus. I want you to think about this. He was owned so unbound by law and rule and religion and so unbound by, that's how we always do things, that Paul could do whatever it took, even if that meant sacrificing, you know, his personal opinions or his personal preferences or his personal desires. He was willing to sacrifice all of that to reach some for Christ. And that's the challenge that God is putting before us as a church this morning. That's the challenge God puts before you this morning. Will you become? Will you become all things? Will you do what it takes? Will you make the adjustments? Will you make the changes? Will you make the adaptations so that you can be used by God to reach some for Jesus? Will you do whatever it takes, of course, short of sin? to reach people for Jesus? That's a question I hope you begin to ponder and pray about and really think through this next week. That's a difficult question. And as I said, Paul was more free than most of us maybe will ever be. But that's the challenge God puts before us. Will you become whatever you need to be so that you can win some for Christ? It's a bit of what Beyond was all about, right? We became generous. Why? I would actually say it this way. We had been a church who displayed generosity many, many times, and then we came collectively as a church, and we became collectively in a unified way. We became generous. Why? So we can buy this place, so we could buy land for the future of our church, so that we could plant two churches, so that we could support more missionaries, so that we can modify and adapt and change this environment so that more people, some, can come to Christ. Part of that next step of becoming so that we can reach some I've mentioned a handful of times over the last couple of years that the day was soon approaching where we needed to add a third service here at LifePoint so that we can open up more space for more people. Many Sundays this last year, I'm sure you've been aware of it, it's been absolutely packed in here. Today's not one of those days, but some of those days it's been packed. And you and I who are a part of this church, we just go with it, we roll with it, it's cool. But if you're a visitor, Walking into a packed environment is absolute pain and torture for them. And we know that and we recognize that. Will we, become, will we become so that some will come to Christ? And so the time is officially here for that third service. And so this Easter, we've been having three services for a while, but starting Easter and then moving forward, we as a church will have three services. 
And we'll have that. And some of you, as I just said that, where your brain goes, because I know my brain goes there, some of you are thinking, whoa, 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 wait a second, that's awesome. In fact, you even gave me the biblical language to send the text that you just started or the email you just started that said, sweet, we're finally having the third service. I've been wanting a Saturday night service. I've been wanting a Sunday night service for years. And pastor, you said, we'll become all things for all people, right? So we're going to do that. Great idea. Love it. No, I really do. I love the idea. And one day, that may happen as our fourth or our fifth service. It really will. But our third service step is the optimal Sunday morning time slot. So we'll have a service at 8.30 and at 9.45 and at 11.15. And this is going to be an incredible season for us as a church because in many respects, like we talked about in the beginning, it's like launching our church all over again. Why? Because God is inviting you to what? What's the word? Inviting you to? It's that B word, sorry. Um, I didn't prepare you enough. Become. God is inviting you to? Become. So maybe for you in this new season, As we get ready to move in that direction, it's time for you to become a greeter. It's time for you to become an usher. It's time for you to become a kid's kingdom or a LifePoint kid's, you know, teacher or assistant or greeter down there. Some of you have been on the kid's uh, ministry uh, uh, sub list for years and years, and maybe now for you it's time to become more permanent in the ministry. For some of you, it's time to become a LifePoint student's, you know, leader. For some of you, it's time to become, you know, a, a, a participant in our facilities ministry. For some of you, it's time to become a team member of our hospitality or connections team. For some of you, you need to become a member of our media team. All of us need to become a participant in our life groups. And, I, and this, there's no better season to do that as we launch into this new season as a church. And after the service, you're going to have an opportunity to sign up for our, you know, our winter, spring life group session. And we invite you to do that, that all of us would become a participant in those groups so that God can use that season in us and with us to kind of move us along so we can become whatever we need to be so God can use us in this upcoming season. 1 Corinthians 9.22, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Do you know we have a whole generation of young people who desperately need Jesus? Kids, students, young adults. And here's my question for us this morning. Are we as a church committed to reaching the next generation? Are you committed to reaching some? Are you committed to becoming so that you can reach some? I love the message translation of 1 Corinthians 9. It says, I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and try to experience things from their point of view. I have become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. What an incredible picture of what becoming looks like. For example, do you realize that anybody under about the age of 35 will always watch a service online before they attend on a Sunday morning? Do you know that? Always. So you know what you and I need to do or what we need to do as a church? We need to update and upgrade our online presence because right now it's terrible. 
And that's no offense to whatever any of us who've been a part of what got us here. But what got us here will not get us there. And so we're working on it, and we're working on our internet issue, and, and I, we think we're going to be able to convert from dial-up shortly. And, <laughs> and once we can get this uh, internet thing solved, we're going to get more speed, and so we can fulfill our vision and our desire to have live online services that people can watch online while the service is going on. That's going to benefit us when you're traveling, that, and, and it's the whole service. In fact, we don't have that yet, but, but I wanted to do something because Trevor wasn't able to make it today, um, and um, I wanted to uh, uh, Facebook Live him, so uh, up there on the corner, first service, uh, that camera up there, we do Facebook Live Trevor on the first service. And uh, he was able to watch it. He was kind of busy. Um, so I thought I'd call him right now, see what he's doing right now. Um, hey, Trev. Good oh, by the way, we're not doing Facebook Live the second service. We did a first service. So, hey. hey, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Hey, good, good, good. Hey, I'm just curious. Um, we had a service today. I don't know if you know it's Sunday. And, um, <laughs> it is? Yeah, and you missed, um, when we started the Beyond Initiative, you missed the beginning of it. You weren't here yet. And now we have our big housewarming party and celebration. You missed today as well. <laughs> What's the deal? What have you been doing the last couple of days? Oh man, I've been uh, I've been a little busy. What do you do? Yeah. What'd you do? I'm I'm holding a little girl right now. Oh yeah, whose is it? Uh, it's uh, it's mine, little Mabel Ray. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, little Mabel. Awesome. You guys doing well? Yeah, we're we're, we're doing well. We finally got some sleep. Okay. And, uh, she's she's sleeping. And very all is well. Very good. And you watch Facebook Live for service? Yeah, I watched it first service. It was awesome. Very was cool. Great, Very great cool. Made me, made me excited. Made me wish I was there. Cool, cool. Well, that's great. I got to get going. I got a lot more to talk about. Have a good day. Bye. Get some sleep. Bye. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> but having our service live for people to watch is going to matter. It's also important for us because you know what else matters to young and younger people? the look, the feel of things, those things matter. So we're working on updating and refreshing our look and feel as a church as well. For example, we're working on our, you know, our website. It's, it's outdated at this point. And so I want to show you some pictures. We, in fact, we did a few things today to just move us in that direction. But these are some screenshots of where we're headed with it. Hopefully in the next couple months, we're going to be able to go live with it. It's not quite there yet. Um, but this is going to be far easier to navigate, far easier to get to the places that matter, like watch a service live, see a message from the pastor, all of this type of stuff. We're also working on a LifePoint app which will also be a huge, huge help in trying to minister and trying to reach people. Also, it's important for us to refresh and, and retool and do all of that by turning our, our attention to our ministry areas for you as adults, for our students, for our kids, uh, and, and, and in our auditorium and all the different spaces that will better reflect what matters to us and who we are and our vision and what we're trying to communicate. In fact, watch this clip. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I know uh, some of you might be thinking, hey, Pastor, what about me? Is the church concerned about me? I hear a lot of them, 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 them. Well, we're absolutely concerned about you, and I hope you'll catch these next couple moments because I want you to understand my job as a pastor, as a teacher, 
and the job or responsibility or charge or duty of every pastor and responsibility is clearly given to us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. And it says this, is that our responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. That's my job, to equip you to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. My job is clear. And it's not to share with you every Sunday, you know, just what you want to hear. It's not to, as George Bush said to the Pope years ago, uh, to deliver, you know, when, when he had given a speech on stage, he said, awesome speech, your holiness. You know, it's not about you guys saying, oh, it's a great speech uh, Sunday morning. No, no, no. My job is to equip you to do his work, to do his ministry. You do the work in minis- of ministry. You. Which means my job, my role, is to help you master the art of I have become. That's what I'm here to do. And I want to help you, and I want to help me and all of us so that we can become. And so, yes, I am 100%. The leadership of the church is 100% committed to you and concerned about you and concerned about your future. And I'm 100% concerned and committed to the some who would one day come to know Christ. And if you are good at math, you know that's a little fuzzy math. That's like 200%. That's a little too high. It's a tension we manage, right? Reach the lost, grow the saved. It's a tension that has existed in churches for 2,000 years. To help us move in this direction and help us, uh, you know, master the art of I have become. We're reworking our language here as a church and how to better communicate our story of what matters to us, our mission, our vision, our values, and, and how that plays out in your life. Our story is actually your story. And so next week, we actually start a new series called Our Story. My hope and my prayer is you will do everything it takes to be a part of this series because God is going to rock you and your story of faith will come alive in fresh ways if you will commit to being a part of this journey. And so I'm excited about this season and where God's taking us and to see what we are willing to become so that some may come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now I close recognizing that there's something in all of us on some level that we say is some great stuff. I want to make sure I hear the, the most important thing. And I want to tell you what the most important thing is. And it's what the sign on my a little plaque on my desk says that I've had for 20, the, all years, 20-something years of ministry. And it says, keep the main thing the main thing. And I think about Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And in this passage, it tells us about Jesus going to the home of Mary and Martha. And it tells us in verse 39 that Mary, Martha had a sister Mary sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to Jesus. But in verse 40, it tells us Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so she came to Jesus and she said this. She said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Jesus, don't you care about that? Tell her to help me, to help do the work. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed or indeed only one. Or if I can use my words, keep the main thing the main thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will be not to be taken from here, from her. There are many things that could distract us as a church. Some are good, some are bad, some are neutral. 
And we're going to focus on what we focus on as a church that matters to us so we can communicate the message of Jesus. In the midst of all of that, we never want to lose sight of what's most important, what the central focus is of who we are as a church. And that's that we seek to have this sit at the feet of Jesus and seek to have an encounter with, with Jesus, seek to have a love relationship with Jesus, that we always keep the main thing, the main thing, that we grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you, are you willing to pursue life in Jesus? To sit at the feet of Jesus, to have an encounter with Jesus, keep the main thing the main thing. And then collectively together, as we start there, as we always start there, every single day, every single moment of every day, that we start with this love relationship with Jesus, and then out of that flows our work for the Lord and us being about the Lord's business. So God invites you to sit at his feet, to pursue life in Jesus And he's inviting all of us to become out of that so we can reach some for Jesus. It's going to be an exciting year for us as a church. I hope you'll dive in. I hope you'll be a part of everything that God wants to do with us, in us, and through us. And you have to ask yourself the question, will you pursue life in Jesus? And will you become whatever God needs you to become to point others to him? Let's pray. Right where you're sitting, I want to give you an opportunity not just to hear those words, but to pray them. To tell Jesus that your number one central focus in your life is to pursue him. To pursue life to the fullest in him. And if you're willing to pray that, would you just say something like this this now? Say, Jesus, the number one goal of my life is to pursue life in you. To sit at your feet. To worship you. And out of that, Jesus... I want to commit to you to become, to do whatever it takes, to be what you want me to be so that I can reach some for you. This is my act of worship to you. Heavenly Father, hear these prayers. Begin, Lord, to play these prayers out in our lives this year. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.